on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Creed Humphrey joins us. The Super Bowl champ is here. Also, we recap the OU guys' performance at the NFL Combine, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, March 6th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of March, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, we've got a Super Bowl champion and a Saturday night live star on the episode tonight. Let's go. Creed Humphrey joining us. Awesome, man. He's uh, he's on a roll. Young man is on a roll right now. There is no doubt about that. And I, I would... I would assume this time next year, I don't know when he can negotiate his extension, right? Cause he's on a four year deal. Cause he wasn't a first rounder. So he is, he is on the verge of making a, what, what's the best metric, a buttload of money. <laughs> yes, he is, but he is. he's worth it too, man. Absolutely. But I mean, before we get to Creed, we got an NFL combine to recap and some OU guys made some absolute waves with their performance there at the NFL combine in Indianapolis. Let's just, let's go in order by the day the guys performed. So let's start with Jalen Redmond. The big question for us was how athletic is this guy? Turns out he's pretty athletic. And you, you look at it four eight one forty. Second amongst the defensive linemen, a 34 and a half inch vert first nine, eight broad first, a seven, three Oh three cone first, a four, five, one shuttle first among the defensive linemen did 27 reps on the bench, which was fourth Ted, he looked really, really athletic in drills. I, I, I'm not sure the combine could have gone any better for him when it comes to what he showed athletically. Now, teams are still going to have a lot of questions about the tape, right? 
but when you when it comes to going to Indianapolis and doing everything you could do to show that you're a good athlete, Jalen Redmond did exactly that, man. That was impressive. Well, whenever you are that athletic and the numbers look like his look with the the size that he checked in at, which was really nice size, you know, we've talked about this before. They start to view your film differently, right? They, you know, instead of saying a guy only flashes every now and then what's going on, they start to say, well, wow, look at these, how impressive these, these moments are. And we can get him to have more moments like that. So it's really an incredible performance. And I know that it's strange that a guy like Redmond is going to perform this well. And for OU fans, there's going to be more questions than there is celebration. It's like, how? Right? I mean, that's that's the one thing that we, we waited on forever is for it to translate to the field. And it did in moments, but, you know, it, it ultimately leaves you feeling like, my goodness, could – why Why weren't we able to get more production out of him whenever he was here? Because he's here for a long time. That's that's the thing. I, I think that's the thing. You look at the numbers. Clearly, he's a gifted athlete, right? But I feel like we always knew that. It was the injuries and the inconsistencies with him, right? And I, I think... I think there's going to be a team that's going to talk themselves into it. Be like, Hey, we could keep him healthy. We could get the most out of him." but there is, there's absolutely no doubt that the show he put on in Indianapolis, it's going to make every single team in the league go back and go, okay, let's take a closer look. Yeah. Right. And when you're in his situation, when you are, you're in his situation that he was in heading into India, Indianapolis. I mean, that's mission accomplished, man. I mean, they yeah. still might not like what they see on the film, but now putting up those type of numbers, you, you've got everyone's attention. Everyone's going back and saying, okay, what, what what's up with this guy? Well, the list of guys that have been first or second in almost every drill at the Combine and been drafted later than the third round is an incredibly short list. I don't know. It's probably never happened. I, you just big physical, strong, explosive humans like Jalen Redmond. They just, there's not that many of them every year. And that is the premium. There's, we say this on the show all the time, you know, quarterbacks and wide out like all of these things matter but it is a line of scrimmage sport and whenever you have guys that are that explosive that's where you start i i don't know where he's going to end up getting drafted but it's probably going to be much higher than anyone expected yeah so i don't and the thing that stood out like the testing numbers were great right but I thought he looked fantastic in the drills, like the yep. pass rush, like doing the bags, everything. Like he looked so smooth and polished. And that that's why this was my number one takeaway. I think, I think throughout Jalen Redmond's career, yes, the injuries have set him back. There's no doubt about it, but 
there was always there was always a concern of okay, how, how much does this guy really like football? Right, and, and that wasn't like us just saying that. We we had heard that from guys that were on the coaching staff. Like they they just didn't know. Well, him going and putting up these type of numbers, it at least shows you that he took the training and the preparation for this very very seriously. He looks like he was in great shape. He looked extremely polished in pretty much everything that he did. And I think that bodes well for people that may be questioning his his dedication to this entire thing, right? He was clearly very well prepared and put the time and work in that it took to put up this type the, the, to put up these type of numbers. I can't tell you if he loves football or not, but I can tell you that he's decided to make a career out of it. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's I mean, so, exactly. At the end of the day, that's what's that's what's gone on here. Is like there's a lot of people that have careers that they don't necessarily love, right? But you show up and you perform as good as you can, and uh, the man's going to play football for money, and, and there is no doubt about that. And w- something else we've talked about on here: some guys are much better professional players than they are collegiate players. Just it's different. It's different. And some guys, you know, maybe don't get into the, like the whole like team and culture thing, prefer to just tell me what I need to do. And I will show up every day and do it without all, all of the, the other stuff. And maybe he's going to be one of those guys. He clearly has the tools to be able to do it. Yeah. It was, it was a good couple days for Redmond. No I, I think he, I think he made himself some money. Okay, Michael Turk ran a four eight three forty and had a thirty four inch vert. Pretty dang good go. for a punter. Any you want to go into any deep analysis on that? I don't know. I mean, it's awesome that he did that. Showed some really good athleticism, but I don't. Would it matter if he ran a four three at punter? No, it's there's I don't even why do they even ask those guys to do that? I think some guys just want to show that they're good athletes. Just like, hey, you know, I can tackle a guy if I have to because I can run pretty fast. Yeah, I yeah, he's a hell of an athlete. But that four eight and that 34 inch vertical pale in comparison to what he can do whenever he lights the football up. So I think he'll be just fine. I would pay and, and. I don't know that this happened for a fact. I'm just going to assume uh, with the experiences you had at the combine, which the, the experiences I had at the combine, we've shared some stories over the years. I want to know what his first reaction was when a coach said, Hey, you know, that YouTube thing that's going away. <laughs> You're a punter. That's go- I, I wonder how he handled that in the interview process. Oh my God. Cause you know, it came up so many times like, Hey, our butter's not going to have a YouTube channel. It ain't happening. You know what I mean? You know, what's interesting. So a lot of those interviews, they, they try and get you, like they'll question you about your past and, and a lot of stuff. And then they'll, they'll, you know, talk some, some football and maybe get you on the board and talk about the schemes and stuff that, you know, you're, what did they talk to a punter about? I assume the special teams coach talks to him about like they talk shop. I, I have no clue. I'm not even going to pretend I know. (laughs) 
So how do you hold it whenever you punt it? How do you how do you drop it? Are you a long drop or short drop guy? Funny. I don't know. All right, Marvin Mims. He's fast. He's very, very fast. We had him on the podcast. What did he say? Four four? I I think he said he was gonna try and run four three. And he did. And four he three did. eight. Tied for the fourth fastest among wide receivers. Also had a great vert, 39 and a half inches. It was tied for fifth among the wide receivers. A 10-9 broad, which is really, really good. Had a 6-9-3 cone, which is, I I thought, in the 4-3-8, like I knew he was really fast in a straight line. <laughs> We've watched him run by people for three years. We know he's really fast in a straight line. But I was wondering, I was really interested in that three cone number. And that is a, that's a really nice time for him. So it, I thought Marvin Mims, he did what he needed to do. I thought he was, he looked great catching the football in the drills. I kept hearing from, you know, person after person after person, how impressive he was in the media setting and, and just talking to people down there. So I I think he did himself a lot of good also. No doubt about it. And we've said this a bunch on here also. If if you are not the prototype size for your position, you better bring something different. It better be incredible strength and explosion or it better be incredible speed and for a guy that's on the smaller side for the for the wide receiver position, he showed incredible speed. So you make up, you know, you make up that that difference right there, and the size becomes not not an issue anymore. So I I thought he was great, and you're right. Some of the interview stuff, I thought he he just he sounds incredibly professional. He's got a really nice demeanor about him, and um, don't, I don't know where he's going to get drafted. Wide receiver is incredibly difficult to gauge that but those numbers definitely helped him no doubt now some people tried to make a big deal about the answer he, he had where he said oh you didn't ask him to run a ton of different routes welcome to college football man there's just there there are not a lot of offenses in college football where you are running an nfl route tree it's just especially if you're playing in a tempo offense like mims did so I mean, that's that's true for the vast majority of college offenses. So some people tried to make it into a really, really big deal. And I I didn't think it was a big deal at all. But some people tried to blow it up into this massive deal like, oh, this is going to be used against us in recruiting. Listen, no, it's not. He's just, he was just being honest. And it's true. It's true. Now, you, you run a lot of different routes. It's not like you're running two different routes or anything like that if you're Marvin Mims, especially with how much There's they... like eight routes total anyways. Right. right? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's such a, it was a weird deal. Yeah. I Why did that become such a big deal? I was confused. I was like, wait, why well, are people freaking out? You know, he, whenever he said he wasn't saying it as anything bad, but, you know, some people immediately took it as, well, that's why our offense isn't where it should be or whatever is because it's so limited on routes or, um, you know, they either blamed OU's offense and Levy because 
you know, there's not enough routes in the tree that they run, or they blamed it on Mims and said, well, you know, the only reason he's not running more routes is because he's not a good route runner. He's only a deep ball threat. It's like it split everyone right down the middle and, and everyone had to take sides. And I'm sitting here saying there are no sides to take there. This is, this is not an issue. The kid is a four, three athlete that ran a six, nine, three cone. It doesn't matter what the route is, right? <laughs> like he could run the route. He'll be fine. There's a, there's like a post, there's the flag, there's a deep in a deep out, a comeback, like an under across a slant. There's only so many routes, right? It's not like you're inventing all kinds of things. So I, he'll be absolutely fine. He's got all the skill he'll need. Yeah, I, I think that with that performance, uh, I think he he probably climbed some teams' big boards at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I would be surprised if that didn't bump him into some teams like the top five, top five, six wide receivers on their board right i just think that he yeah right he's not the biggest guy in the world i get that but he's extremely mature great locker room guy and clearly a very gifted athlete so i would i was really happy for marvin nope i he went there you either improve your stock or you drop and with those numbers he improved no doubt okay Braden willis I I was surprised. It was not what I expected. Now, first of all, he did not run a 40, which I thought was interesting. He had a 32-inch vert, 9-9 broad, uh, a 7-3-0-3 cone, a 4-3-6 shuttle. Certainly not what I expected, right? Not numbers for a tight end that are really going to jump out to you. Just to put it, you know, just to, for a point of reference, like he ran a 7303 cone. I ran a 7303 cone at the combine. He ran a 436 shuttle. I ran a 437 shuttle. So when I see those numbers, I'm like, okay, this seems like I, I know that Braden Willis is a better athlete than I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I just wonder, I wonder if he was nervous or if he slipped. Like, I, I just wonder what, what happened with some of this testing, but. I, I did think it was strange he didn't run a 40. Maybe something happened in his training. I, I don't know, but this was this was not what I expected from him, Ted. No, um it's not, but I I, I, I don't, don't know what think I really care. And I don't think anyone else is gonna care either. You know, like what you got from him, like aside from going out there and being an outlier athletically, I think you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a dude that, you know, every single snap, you can put him at a different spot. He can pass protect. He can run block. uh, He can run routes. He's got, he's got good speed, good athleticism. You can put him at fullback. Like the guy can, can do absolutely everything. Um, Aside from going out there and just doing some numbers that really stood out among the rest of the group. I think everything you got from him is already cooked in, right? And and I think everyone at the Senior Bowl got to see the type of football player he is. Now, it is curious. He's I think he is athletically better than this, but 
you know, it could be incredibly difficult at the combine. It's something we've talked about. I, you never know how the training went. You never know how some guys just can't sleep well there. You just, it's just bad. It's not, not a good place to go and perform. And some guys, you know, handle it differently than others. And the circumstances can, can unfold differently for everyone. Then, you know, I, I can't explain it. I, I expect him to better every single one of those numbers at pro day. I, I do too. And I, I will say, and I don't want to, I don't want to make any excuses for Braden, but he did it. He had that foot injury at the end of the season, right? And, and played through it, played through it in the bowl game. And then you go straight into the all-star games and all that stuff. So I, I wonder, I honestly, I wonder how healthy he is and like how that affected his training. Like you don't, you you don't really know, but also know this. There's a lot of pressure there. If you get invited to the combine, uh, and you're not like a first round guy, you feel like, oh my god, if I'm going to go to the NFL, I'd go perform with the thing or what I like. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really. I'm not going to overreact to the testing numbers, but I also know what we saw when we watched him on tape this season, and. Ultimately, the tape is what matters the most, right? That's that's what teams are going to care about the most, and he put a lot of good stuff on tape, man. Yep, there is no doubt about that. Yeah, I I I don't worry about Braden Willis at all. I mean, going to the combine, I I'm not sure where he ends up draft wise. I have no idea, but he's going to get an opportunity to make a football team. He's going to be in a NFL camp and. My guess is he probably makes it. All right, let's move on to what we saw from the guys on Sunday. Anton Harrison had himself a very interesting Sunday. Okay, did you see this whole thing with his arm length measurement? I did not. Not until uh, I saw that you had it in the rundown. Okay, so it was a it was a very weird situation. So, you know, he he measured in, right? 6'4", 315. Good, good. And then on Twitter, it was reported that he had a 31 and three-fourths inch arm, which for an offensive tackle is a massive red flag. It was like it was all over Twitter, like, oh my gosh, he's got T-Rex arms. What in the world? And when I saw it, I was like, there's no way that's right. But like I've seen, I've seen him in person. He's got longer arms than I do. I know that. I know that for a fact. There's no way that's right. And I kept telling my wife, I was like, there's no way that's right. And then it came out, you know, someone put out a correction on Twitter that he had a 34 and an eighth inch arm. And I was like, yes, that's the correct number. But for about a 45 minute to an hour minute time frame, Anton Harrison had gone from like tackle one or two on a lot of people board people's boards to oh he has to play guard now like that's how <laughs> drastic of a reaction there was to that arm length number it was insane I, but I the entire time I was like there is no way that number is right zero chance well I feel bad for whoever someone had that measurement I don't know who it was but they didn't pull that out of nowhere. Uh, just didn't match up to the right person. Uh, I'm glad they got that fixed. Yeah, it was uh, it was a big deal. Whoever whoever put that on Twitter, that was a uh, that was a bit of an oopsie. But 
Man, he looked good running. He looked good in the drills. Ripped off the 498-40, which was second among O-linemen. 28-and-a-half-inch vert. Uh, broad was whatever. Who cares? 8-9. Eight, eight, but he looked, he looked very polished. I thought he looked like he was in really good shape. Looked like he had tightened things up the way that he needed to. Ted, I, I, I'm not sure it could have gone much better for him, man. I, I don't know how the interviews went. I think the interviews will be huge for him. But w- when it comes to the athletic portion of the NFL Combine, Anton Harrison, it, it feels like he checked the boxes he needed to check. Yeah, well, you go out there and and you look as athletic as he he does and as athletic as he is and you turn in those numbers that he did you you go break five seconds as a 315 pound offensive tackle look good in all the drills the film checks out not only not not just does the film check out also it's not a bad thing whenever but Orlando Brown is about to get paid and Creed Humphreys is playing the way he is like Bill Beanbow's guys perform well in the NFL. So the like, if you're another Bill Beanbow guy, like that is, like that that's another uh, box that you check for an NFL team. He's trending up. That's a good way to trend. He he looked so good running that forty, and, and I know that that's not that's not how offensive line is played. But it it almost gave it, it gave me more ammo for my theory that he's going to be a better pro than he's a college player, just because I think his athleticism is going to get utilized a little more in the NFL than it did at OU because of all the gap scheme stuff. Like I think you get him out on the edge and like pin pull stuff outside zone type stuff. I, I just think that's gonna, that's gonna take his game to a different level. So man, he, that, that last like 10 or 15 yards of that 40 though, that dude was moving, moving. I yeah, mean, he was out. gliding. Daniel yep. Jeremiah said he looked like a tight end on the broadcast. Yeah. That's crazy. So what do you think? Is he think he cracks the, the top 10, top 12? I'm pretty confident he's going to go in the first round now just because it turns out he doesn't have T-Rex arms and he's actually got a nice long arm for an offensive tackle. But I'm just going to have to see it, see him go like in the top 15 before I believe it. I, I think he's more of a back half of the round, back half of the first round type of guy or maybe early second round guy. But Offensive tackles, right, especially athletic ones, don't tend to last in the draft, man. So it it just takes one team, and maybe it is the Jets with that, what, 13th pick? Yeah. But I'll say this. He didn't, it's, unless something happened in the interviews, he did not hurt his stock at all. Like, he, he looked so athletic and smooth in pretty much everything he did, man. I, it really stood out just watching it on the TV broadcast. Yeah. Well, when you go out there and someone was it Kuiper throws out uh, kind of a shocking number of where you may go and you go have a performance like that, it solidifies it. And, you know, maybe there are some people thinking that, hey, if he if he gets some of these athletic benchmarks and, you know, because the film checks out, he's really high on our board. So I don't know. That's because he doesn't listen. He's 
talking about Kuiper, he's been in the business a long time. Now, a lot of what he says could be stupid. All right. I get that. But he doesn't come up with a lot of these things just out of thin air. Right. He's right. He's, talk, he's talking to the people that are that are given some information. So I don't know. It's interesting. No doubt about it. Okay. Wanye Morris had a five one oh forty and then on the second forty popped his hammy and wasn't able to do any of the drills because of that, which is a huge bummer. I always hate seeing it it happens to a couple guys every combine and it's really unfortunate that Wanye was one of them. Man, he went he went down like a like a ton of bricks, dude. It was not it was not good, but was able to, uh, he did the vert and the broad before that, got a 28 and a half inch vert, 9.3 broad, but really hopefully he's he's able to get healthy enough by that March 30th pro day there at OU and able to do some of the position drills. But man, it did it did not look good. He looked like he was in a lot of pain when he, uh, when he pulled up on that second 40. Yeah, that's tough. And that's part of like, some of the frustration that some people have is like, why, why are we taking these 320 pound offensive linemen and have them do 40 yard sprint, which is something they don't ever do. You know, it's just, that's the nature of the beast overall athletic measurements. They, and they do it because you can look as good as Anton Harrison looked doing it. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Like he, he, he turned a lot of heads at the senior bowl. So um, you know, some of these numbers are are good. The the first forty is the solid number, so I think he'll be okay. He'll if he wants, he'll have another opportunity perhaps because I don't think pro day is till the end of March, right? And they're like right. Three or I four think weeks. March thirtieth, right? Is that yeah. right? Yep. Late. Yeah. So hopefully he's got some time, and at, at the very least, I'm hoping he can do the position drills just to show. I I think the most impressive thing for Wanye is the movement kind of in short space and the balance at that size is what teams are really interested in. And and I think that if he can get healthy enough to do that and show that so that those teams can get eyes on him up close at pro day, that'll be uh that'll be good for him. But uh, yeah, just a bummer that he was one of the guys that ended up having an issue there with an injury. Uh, Eric Gray didn't run the 40. What do we think about that? I don't know. That, because I feel like that's the question for him, right? The top end speed, which I don't know how many times we have to have people tell us whether they are general managers or scouts or like our buddy Jim Nagy at the senior bowl top end speed is very overrated at the running back position in the national football league, but it's still interesting. He didn't run it for you. Yeah. And if, if he's healthy across the board, and that's the question mark. It looks like you're dodging the question. That's a true, bit, right? So um, I don't know, but you can uh, you can dodge the question when it's asked on their term and answer it whenever it's asked on your terms at at pro day, right? You want a number on my forty? You can come watch it at pro day. So, yeah, as as long as he puts out a good number at pro day, you can't totally dodge it. You can't, you know, if you're healthy. And that's the question on you. You can't, you can't just put that off, you know, you, which I, it's not like he's some incredibly slow football player. No, it's not like he's running a four, eight or anything like, right. He's an explosive running back. That's athletic that, 
You know, I I would be shocked if he was up there kind of, you know, in upper 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 twenty five percent of running backs, but you know, I imagine he's gonna be right there kind of in the pack type of number. Yeah, and you look at he had a thirty seven and a half inch vert, he had a nine ten broad, which typically ten feet is what you're looking for, but he, he's not the tallest guy in the world. So nine ten is is a fine number for Eric Gray on that broad jump. So clearly he's got explosiveness, but for whatever reason, people just want to see every skill guy run the 40. And when they don't run one, it's like, what is he trying to hide? Why would he do this? So I, I'm hoping, I'm assuming he'll run the 40 at OU's pro day, but yeah, probably I would. He's yeah. He's, he's extremely elusive. Got really good tape from this last year at OU, but yeah, I won't lie. I was a little disappointed he didn't run the 40. I wanted to see what the time was. Now I got to wait longer. Ted, I'm not that patient. What the hell? I don't know. That's funny. I, I was just thinking the broad jump. The, Gabe, this is – I'm not exaggerating. My broad, my broad jump was terrible at the combine. I don't remember what it was. I didn't jump 10 feet. But when I did it at the combine, it was the first time I had done broad jump since, like, fifth grade track day. You know, like whenever you, that was the long jump at the uh, elementary track meet. That was the last time that I had done it. Terrible. And I don't <laughs> think it's a thing that a lot of guys practice, you know. Well, they do now because the combine preparation, <laughs> you didn't, wait, hold on. You didn't do, you didn't prepare for broad jump at not all? One time. No, not at all. Well, that's on whoever you – where did you go to trade to the, for the combine? I, what the hell are they doing? I don't know. The only thing that we really trained, looking back on it, I should have just stayed at OU. Uh, but there was a bunch of, like, big-name guys there. We we kind of practiced some 40 stuff, like starts, but it wasn't good. I should have stayed at OU and just always done the things that I had done. That's what I should have done. But I, I didn't – I didn't care about the broad jump at all. Did not care. One bit was dumb. You're like, I'm here thought. to run a blazing fast 40 and that's it. It should have just been, it should have just trained it. I don't know. I'm not even, I'm not even sure I knew that they were going to test us on it. Oh my God, dad. <laughs> what? It's uh, funny. My broad jump wasn't good, but at least I knew we were going to do it, man. The the thing about like the broad jump and the uh, vertical, it's about jumping, but it's also about trying to find a way to cheat. Like, oh yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the key to the drill. They're trying to rip your right arm out of its socket on the vert on the reach test, and you're trying to like squeeze that scap as hard this as you possibly like, can. This is as high as it goes. It's down here. This I cannot raise it any more than this. And they said, <laughs> relax. Like, no, I am relaxed. You relax. I'm relaxed. You relax. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But hey, I will say this. As bummed as I was that Eric Gray didn't run his 40 at the combine, that's like the number one thing I'm pumped for now for OU Pro Day. And you and I are on the Pro Day coverage. So come on. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing everyone's gonna be interested in. I feel yeah. like that that's gonna be the number one story heading into pro day. It has to be that, and um, I don't know. Maybe see what 
uh, Wanya Morris's hamstring looks like, if he's able to do some drills, and uh, does Jalen Redmond even show up after the performance he put on? He'll 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 be there. Maybe he'll do position drills, but he he ain't doing any of the. He's not doing a forty or a shuttle or any of that stuff. He has uh he's done that, he'll, and he'll never have to do it again. That's the good yep. part. That's good. Okay, really quickly, let's touch on this report from Ross Ellinger, and it's not even a report, right? But we still don't know what is going, what the schedule is going to look like when OU goes to the SEC, but. Ross Dellinger, who is one of the most well-connected guys in all college football media, uh, works at Sports Illustrated. He put an article out about the future SEC schedule, and basically he made his best educated guess of the three permanent opponents for each team in a nine-game schedule format there in the SEC once OU and Texas get there. Ted, he gave the Sooners Texas, Missouri, and Florida, and a lot of debate ensued once this came out. What'd you think? Texas, Missouri, and Florida as the permanent opponents for OU once the Sooners get to the SEC. I love it. I I think it's, um, you know, obviously the rivalry with Texas is preserved. We knew that was going to be the case, but uh, Missouri, fairly close, not a a top tier team year in year out which i think is actually beneficial i mean i have to put aside like wanting to play every big game every big team in the in the conference on every single weekend of the year but i think that's actually a good one and then florida an opportunity to start a new rivalry with a with a program that you know traditionally has been pretty daggum good at least since what the 90s um I, I love it. And one of the good things about it is like Florida is like, I think they're on a good trajectory. I think they're they're bouncing back and you know in a in a pretty strong position to do so, but it's not peak Florida right now. So we got a chance to kind of ease our way into that that rivalry a little bit. All in all, I I actually like it. I'm with you, and and that kind of leads into our call your shot. We asked you guys what you thought of the possibility of Texas, Missouri, and Florida being OU's permanent opponents in the SEC. This first one comes from Jonathan Jernigan. He says, instead of Florida, much rather see Texas A&M or Arkansas, but it is a great opportunity for OU recruiting and, most importantly, the fans to travel to sunny Florida in the fall for a vacation. I I saw a lot of people that wanted Arkansas instead of Missouri or wanted Arkansas instead of Florida, but I, I'm with you, man. I kind of think the Florida thing would be fun. It'd be something different. It'd be something new, right? And these are, I know they're calling them permanent opponents, but that doesn't mean this is set in stone for 50 years. This is going to be re reassessed at some point, probably in the relatively near future. So I don't know. The Florida one, just like a Florida OU rivalry sounds fun. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as long as they kind of keep it in every sport, which I think would be good, um, obviously good softball program, uh, good gymnastics program. I, I, I like it. And Arkansas would have been obviously a natural choice because of the proximity. I get it. 
Um, so that one I can kind of get on board with. I can't get on board with a and I do not want – I want out of the Big 12. I don't want the same teams from the Big 12 that we're used to all of these other years. And I know we're going to get other SEC schools, but, I mean, something new, something different is what this this move is about. So you got to have a new school in there. And I don't know. I think Florida's perfect. Florida is – a huge recruiting state for Oklahoma, not just Oklahoma, for everyone, but the the opportunity to have a good presence down there every other year in a big-time SEC game, I think it's excellent. Yeah, and maybe maybe at Don't Trust Government on Twitter, put it best. <laughs> Better than anything current, staying in the Big 12. It's the price for growth. Let's go. I I think that's a great way of looking at it. Hey, and, and the other thing, remember, in this model, you're going to play all the other teams every other year. Yep, still got so, six, six other big games that you're going to have. It's You're, you're going to get plenty of SEC action. Yeah, so if you're one of those OU fans, they're like, give us Georgia, A&M, and Alabama every year. It's like, hey, <laughs> just relax. It, it's fine that the suitors have Missouri on the schedule every year. You You feel... You you want one of those. I get I get where you're coming from, but the other teams, it's gonna be a rotation. It's gonna be fine. Gonna see everyone often. Be fine. I'll tell you, man, it is not an easy exercise to put that together. No. And make it fair and you know. See what Saban said? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know, but I what else are you gonna do? You have you have these these tie-ins to these games that you play every year. I I don't know. It's 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 not easy, and it's a shock. Like I know it's not official, but I this new scheduling system, like Alabama is not going to be happy about it because you know that's one thing the SEC has done is they have protected their good teams with with schedules and. If they do this thing the way I think they're going to, or the way I hope they're going to, it's going to be much more difficult to do that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, just a reminder, entire football season between now and then, people. So don't yeah. don't stay focused. You got to stay focused on 2023, even though we keep talking about them going to the SEC because things just keep coming up. Okay. It's bad because everyone's going to go, damn it, I forgot that we go to Cincinnati this year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get to birthday shout outs. Light week, Ted. Light. Okay. Shockingly light. Happy 12th birthday to Big Will. Happy 17th birthday, Tony Ballinger. And happy 67th birthday to Stan Snowbird Speaks. Nice. All right. Let's get to our man, Creed Humphrey. But first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your bar code at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks, unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. 
Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamare. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off, buttery soft, and 10% off. And new sponsor alert, TED. The Garage. Everyone loves The Garage. Place is delicious. Come on. Head to The Garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game with your buddies. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here's the big dog himself, Creed Humphrey. It is our pleasure to be joined by a Super Bowl champion He is also fresh off an appearance on Saturday Night Live. He's the most popular lineman on planet Earth right now. Creed Humphrey is in the house. What's going on, big guy? Nothing much. What's going on? Thanks for having me on. A man who loves charity. (laughs) I love charity. (laughs) Dude. Okay, let's start with that because... You know, there there are more football players that have won Super Bowls than have been able to make Saturday Night Live appearances. And clearly, with Travis Kelsey hosting, like, tell us all about it. How did that happen? Like, what was the idea for the sketch? Like, how, how did this get on your radar? Explain it all, man, because that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, like, at 11.30 p.m. on Thursday, Travis hit me up. And he was like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, if you can Friday, we want to fly you out and uh, put you on a skit. Uh, so basically, did all that. Uh, flew down there, uh, five a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, you know, filmed, did all the recording stuff, then flew straight back because I had that a uh, little parade thing in Shawnee where I got the key to the city and everything. So I had to make sure I was back Friday night for that. But yeah, he just hit me up. Asked about it, uh, just kind of planned it out from, you know, midnight to 4 a.m., then hopped in my car, went to the airport, uh, flew out there, filmed it, and came back. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. <laughs> I I um, I just watched it. I didn't I didn't know about it, and uh, you guys were telling me about it, so I had to click over and watch it. That is, uh, that is really well done. That, that's awesome. What was it like? I mean – Behind the scenes, what we all know is just kind of the finished product. What was it like behind the scenes? Is it like chaotic? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I, I was only in like a little part of that skit. I wasn't on TV for, or on the video for very long, but I was, I think I filmed for probably 45 minutes, just that one little scene. Uh, yeah. But I got there, basically stayed in my dressing room until they wanted to bring me out and uh, do that skit. So I just did that. Went there, uh, got to meet Jason Kelsey. That was really cool. Uh, that was the first time really getting to hang out and talk with him. So that was really cool to do. But, uh, yeah, just went in there, filmed, and went straight back to the airport to come back. <laughs> so how frustrating. So you do all that to get there. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and film it and do that. And then for the sake of time, they ended up cutting it out of the live broadcast. First of all, <laughs> why would they cut the funniest pre-record of all of them? It makes no sense. I don't know anything about comedy, but that was hilarious. Like, well, is that frustrating for you? Or like, what the hell? I did all this and you didn't even put it in the live show. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I was I was watching it last night and never came on. I was yeah, I was surprised. They didn't let me know that it was going on, but uh they posted it right away, like right after the show. Uh, you know, Travis did an awesome job though. He's a natural of that type of stuff. So there are plenty of funny moments on there. But it was uh it was really just a cool experience to do anyway, so I wasn't too mad. I'll tell you what I think is crazy, you know, what was the February was it February seventh, the Super Bowl? Wasn't even a month ago. And uh, obviously, after you win a Super Bowl, you've got celebration stuff. And, um, you know, people obviously want to also celebrate with you in, in other areas. And you get opportunities like like the Saturday Night Live thing. But the combine just happened. The draft is coming up. Like, the offseason's almost over for the part, like, where you're not really doing anything. It's it's crazy how long the season is when you go to the Super Bowl. Like, how does how do you feel right now as far as like is is your whole scheduling your timing thrown off for what a typical off season is? Yeah, it's definitely a little weird. Uh, you know, just because that's the season runs so late. You know, the off season really does get shortened down. So for me, I I took two weeks off and I started working out again last week just so I can you know stay on top of things. Uh, nothing crazy, just making sure I'm moving my body around and everything, not letting it get too stiff or anything. But uh. Yeah, it's it's crazy just, you know, how fast that all happens, you know. Uh, you know, you finish up the Super Bowl, uh, by the time we go to the parade and everything, it feels like it's already March. So it's uh, it's definitely crazy. So obviously want to talk about the Super Bowl and, and all of that, but just, just have a question about the season in general, right? Last year, it's your rookie year. You play at a really, really high level, but – your your rookie year is just different. Now, how much, how much more confident, how much more comfortable did you feel overall in year two? Yeah, I felt you know a ton more comfortable, uh, more confident out there. You know, I feel the it's you know crazy just how much I felt the game slow down. You know, mentally and just seeing things better. You know, from that year one to year two, it really slowed down for me uh, in year two, and I was seeing so many different things, and I was able to point so many more different things out. Uh, so, yeah, it was – it gave me a ton of confidence, you know, coming off a good rookie season to, uh, you know, go in there and play that second year well. So, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely fun. We had a great year and, uh, you know, had a good time. Yeah, just, I mean, kind of that back to the time issue, like before your rookie year, you know, you finish – you play your bowl game – you work out for the combine, you got pro day, um, you know, there's senior bowl type of stuff. Like it feels like a whole season in itself. So there's never really any time to relax then. So I'm sure going into year two, there was quite a bit more of, you know, you already know the system, you know, your teammates. Is, is that maybe one of the biggest benefits is just, you know, having some uh, comfort with everyone that you're around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just being around those guys, uh, you know, you know, running the OTAs my first year, I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, I was stressed out throughout all of OTAs that first year. And, you know, we had five new offensive linemen starting, so everybody's trying to learn the system and everything. So, you know, OTAs felt kind of stressful that first year. Then uh, 
going into this past year, you know, we get to OTAs, the whole offensive line's back, you know, we're close with each other. Everybody knows the system now. Everything's, you know, it felt like everything slowed down. It was a lot more relaxed throughout, you know, OTAs and everything. So, you know, that's definitely a feel like an advantage for us whenever we, you know, get to have that that period off, you know, after that rookie season, just because that feels so long, the whole rookie season, you know, straight from college to rookie, to your rookie year, it's, you know, just so long and that can be pretty mentally draining. But, uh, you know, going into that second year, you know, you feel a lot more relaxed and, you know, you just feel a lot more confident doing stuff out there. How how badly did y'all want the Bengals in that AFC championship game? I, I know there was the, the weird piece to – it was going to be a neutral site game in Atlanta if it would have been Buffalo, but after what happened a year ago in the way that it happened right at Arrowhead, how badly did you guys want Cincinnati in that AFC championship game? Yeah, we definitely wanted to play them, you know, uh, losing to them, you know, three times within the past year, man, we, we really wanted to get that one back. So uh, it felt great. And, you know, it also, you know, gave us the opportunity to play the championship in Arrowhead. So you know, that was also a huge advantage for us. So, uh, yeah, we were definitely wanting to play Cincinnati. You know, they're they're a great team. They have a ton of great players, and uh, it's always a fun game when we get to play them. Always a close game, too. Well, the Super Bowl, I mean, I, it, it, was, it was a great game. And, you know, leading up to it, tons of talk about uh, Philly's defensive line and how productive they've been. And it sounds like that's something that, you guys made it a point to talk about it, uh, maybe build that up as as something to really get get some fire going, and everyone continue to talk about it before and after the game. Uh, so, what was what was that whole thing like? Yeah, you know, just leading up to that to the Super Bowl. You know, we had the media day and everything in Arizona. Just talking to media throughout the week. You know, it felt like the entire time was basically just the media asking us. You know. How are we going to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes? You know, the rush is so good. It's a historic defensive line, things like that. And, uh, you know, I just feel like we weren't getting really the respect that we deserved up front. You know, we have a we have a really good group up front. Uh, all those guys up front do a great job. So, uh, you know, we took that to heart. And uh, we knew we could get after him with our, you know, run install that we had. So uh, we were really excited about getting that run game going during the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun game, you know, just going out there and being able to make a statement like that. It was awesome. So the first half did not go perfectly, right? Weren't exactly in in the spot you wanted to be there when when halftime rolled around. But what's it feel like when when you got Mahomes on your side, right? When he's the guy back there, like do you do you ever feel like you're not gonna win? I know that sounds stupid, but like when you have that guy, it's got to be such a weird feeling. Great yeah, feeling, weird. but weird feeling. Yeah, we were we were, we were down ten at halftime, and I don't think anybody in that locker room felt like we were going to lose. You know, we uh, just you know the type of players we have, and you know we've been in so many close games. We've had you know so many games where we've had to come back from you know uh, being behind. So uh, yeah, we we knew we were still in that game, and everybody had confidence about it. You know, we just knew we had to go go out there and tweak some things, make sure we were you know, focused up a little bit more than what we were in the first half. And then, uh, you know, just with what we were doing and everything, we knew we we knew we were going to be able to come back. I was just thinking about it, Gabe, after you asked that question. Crete's played with a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. 
Uh, you think? <laughs> two Heisman <laughs> Trophy winners. Uh, Hertz, who was the runner-up, and then obviously Super Bowl um, competition there. Now Mahomes, like that's awesome. But obviously, you're a big piece of the the pie. Like, are there common traits between all of those guys? Are there differences? Like, is there something that you see in all their personalities that you you feel like is kind of the same? I mean, I don't know. That's just that's a really interesting little factoid there. Yeah, no, I've been extremely lucky about the quarterbacks I've got to play with. You know, it makes my job a lot easier with those guys. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, and all those guys, they definitely share common traits, you know, uh, just their competitiveness, their competitiveness, uh, you know, they're willing to work, uh, just, you know, them wanting to be great. And, uh, you know, all of them are good leaders too, you know, in the locker room, they do a great job, you know, uh, leading the guys throughout the game, you know, uh, making sure – no one gets too down if things aren't going right. No one's getting, you know, way too uh, excited whenever things are going good. You know, uh, they all do a great job of just uh, leading the guys. And it's, uh, it's been a blessing to play with all of them, for sure. Uh, it makes my job so much easier when you have guys back there that are that talented. So what what was more fun, the the after party or the parade? I, I gotta imagine it's the parade, but I know I know you're a big DJ Khaled guy, Creed, and he came through the after party. I I know you were having the time of your life. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> after party the hotel was awesome, but yeah, I definitely got to go with the parade, man. Just uh, over, I think it was over a million people were at the parade this year, and it was it was just insane. Just uh, you know, Chiefs Kingdom is it's pretty ridiculous just how just how much they love their Chiefs. So it's uh. It was awesome to go out there and experience that. Just so many people cheering us on and everything, and had a few beers. That was a good time. So uh, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> few cold beers. Now, I, where did the? I I know that <laughs> Orlando ends up saying, "Hey, zero zero sacks, put it on a t-shirt." You guys end up with t-shirts that z- say zero sacks. Where did they come from? Did someone just walk up to you and like, "Hey, here you go"? Yeah, so our. Uh, one of the guys on the equipment staff actually made them for us. Uh, so, yeah, he, he put all those together for us. It was really cool. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we were really excited to wear those. Everybody was pumped about it. So it was it was really cool. I had I have more people, I think, talking about, commenting about the AFC Championship whenever you just kind of raided the stadium's coffers <laughs> of all the beers there. Uh, did you ever get a tab for that? Anyone ever send you a, send you a check? No, I haven't gotten anything yet. Uh, they probably just took it right out of payroll, though. <laughs> That's awesome. Straight, straight yeah. payroll de- deducted the Michelob Ultras. Yeah, <laughs> that was. At, did you realize that was going to be such a popular picture among the fan base? That was like the perfect. First of all, just the perfect description of you. But Chiefs <laughs> fans, they they love that picture, dude. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I had a feeling as soon as we stepped outside, there were going to be a lot of pictures taken. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a great picture. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a good time with it. Uh, it was me, Derek McKinnon, uh, Nick Allegretti. We all went out there and you know grabbed everything for their locker room. But it was it was it was a good time. You know, just as soon as you walk over to that little bar area, everybody was you know just surrounding you, handing you free drinks and stuff. So uh, we had a good time. So do you have a favorite moment from the game, favorite play, um, anything that sticks out? And do you guys – 
you don't go back and watch that as a team, do you? Is it just like you're just scattered after the after it's all over? Yeah, I just got back, did extra interviews at the parade, and then everybody just kind of left. Uh, yeah, my favorite moment though, uh, probably going into the fourth quarter, we ran a little duo concept uh, to end the third quarter, and it got you know I think eight or nine yards, but it was you know just one of those things. I feel like it set the tone for that fourth quarter leading into it. Felt like uh, you broke them open when, there. Uh, what was that? <laughs> Felt like you kind of broke them open. You yeah, know, you could tell they were they were folding. Definitely for sure. You know, uh, Orlando had a huge block on that. Took his guy like you know ten yards off the ball. Uh, everybody was just moving bodies, and it was you know we had a ton of confidence going into that fourth quarter because of that play. But it was it was definitely a, I felt like it was the tone setter for that fourth quarter. There was a there was a big deal made about the field. <clears throat> I, now I was sitting with your brother and your parents, so I'm obviously locked in to what you were doing pretty much on every single snap, celebrating with your brother. I may have punched him a few too many times, honestly. <laughs> but you you didn't have any issue with the field, and it didn't seem like your old line had much of an issue with the field. Like, why do you think that turned into such a big talking point? It seemed like you guys handled it well. Yeah, you know, uh, it was it was pretty slick, you know, especially in, in the second half, but. Uh... It's just something that, you know, you can't really think about when you're out there. That's that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, if you start focusing on that too much, you know, it's going to take away other parts of your game. So, uh, you know, we did a good job uh, being prepared, making sure we had good cleats. Uh, you know, everybody had new cleats on, you know, with the good traction and everything. So, uh, you know, I feel like the guys did a good job just preparing for that. You know, a couple of days before, the special teamers went over there and, kind of walked around the field and kind of gave us a heads up. They're like, hey, the field's pretty slick, so just uh, be ready for that. So, uh, yeah, we got to, you know, put those cleats on, and, you know, I feel like uh, we handled it pretty well. So last year, AFC Championship, you guys got beat. I'm sure you go into the offseason, there's, there's, you know, something to build on. Everyone's hungry, pissed off, I'm sure, about the way the season ended. You know, plenty of motivation. Now, year two, you win the Super Bowl. It's the absolute peak of the sport that you're in. Like, like where do you go from here? Like, how do you reach back down again and start the whole process over with the same fire? Yeah, you know, we got we to gotta go get another ring. That's the way we look at it. But, uh, you know, we, we celebrated and everything. But now, you know, I'm already getting back to work, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys that I don't like sit, you know, just sitting around doing nothing. So I've, you know, I'm, I've been wanting to get back into the gym. So, you know, I already got back in there, started working out and stuff, but, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the thing with the chiefs and, you know, they've been so successful over these past years is just because of the culture in that locker room. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a winner. Everybody wants to continue to win. Uh, and they got the right guys to do it. And, you know, they got the right leaders in there too, with, you know, Pat, Trav, you know, guys like Orlando, Chris Jones, uh, that you just got, you know, the right the right types of leaders in there and uh, the right types of players in there to, you know, keep going, keep pushing. Uh, you know, everybody's fired up to get back to work. I can already tell you that right now. So it's uh, we're ready to get back after it for sure. So for you individually right now, you just won a Super Bowl. You made the Pro Bowl. You made all pro. There's really nothing left, right? Other than what? Get a massive contract. So, like, what do you what what is your focus this offseason? Right. And now I know you you're the ultimate team guy, but 
I mean, where, where are you trying to improve your game? Yeah. You know, I think there's areas, you know, to improve everywhere you look at it, to be honest. So, uh, you know, for me, it's just, you know, continuing to play with that same confidence, uh, continuing to work on, you know, strength, athleticism, you know, uh, those physical things and uh, just, uh, you know, taking a little bit of time just to relax, you know, let everything calm down a bit and uh, just get your head back ready to work. But uh, yeah, for me, it's, I mean, there's, there's improvements that you can make every single day. So for me, you know, it's going to be technique. It's going to be, you know, uh, mentally, you know, being able to see things like that. So, uh, you know, OTAs are great for that uh, stuff to work on too. Where do you, where is your, your off season workout place? Do you have a, a compound like Lane Johnson has? No, I don't have that, but yeah, uh, working out in Oklahoma city, uh, uh, it's a performance course, Oklahoma. So they got a building down up here. So that's where I've been working out. Keeping it local, baby. Let's go. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Now <laughs> you, you mentioned it earlier, but what can one do with a key to Shawnee? Like, do you, does that just allow you to walk in to every establishment in the city and take as much beer as you want? Or like, how's this work? I don't know. I got to figure that out, you know, see if, <laughs> see if it really works like that. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but it was, it was a, it was a surreal moment just getting to go back there. Uh, you know, just see all these people that, you know, were a part of my life that, you know, kind of got me to where I am today. You know, all the, all my old coaches, teachers, things like that. It was it was really great to see everybody and, you know, reconnect with them after a while. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, you know, just had a lot of memories flashback, you know, as soon as I, you know, stepped on the field over there. So it was, it was a good time. So whenever they paint your picture on the water tower, is it going to be like snapping the football or is it going to be like carrying a case of beer? I, there's got to <laughs> be something good, right? <laughs> hopefully both, you know, hopefully it did. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we'll do one with me snapping and one carrying a case of beer. <laughs> yeah. Or snapping a case of beer. How about snapping that? Snapping a case of beer. There we go. <laughs> Wait, you gotta you gotta get your friends over at Boulevard on board. Get it sponsored, man. Get get some yeah, cash no. for it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so one more will let you get out of here, man. Just and, and I know that this is a stupid question. It's probably kind of hard to put in words, but you work your entire life to get to a Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl. Like, how does it, it, how did that feel in the moment, right? Like you you win the Super Bowl. Like, what's that? What's it feel like? It was yeah, it was completely surreal. You know, I feel like it still hasn't set in completely, but uh, it's just yeah, an insane moment. Like you said, you're working for it your entire life, and you know, it's something you dreamed of doing your entire life and whenever that whenever you achieve that uh there's just there's just no better feeling man and just seeing all how happy all the guys around me were and everything you know seeing you know just all their hard work pay off too and you know just doing what I can to help them get there it was that was a great feeling and just you know seeing everybody so happy and stuff and you know feeling that way it was it was awesome it was just a surreal moment for sure awesome stuff man two in a row let's go do it Let's do it. We're going going back to back. You uh you got the quarterback to do it. I, I think you guys will be right there at the end of the day, man. Creed, <laughs> we love you, man. You're the best. What a season! But just getting started. Just getting started. That big payday is coming next, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that. 
that guy's awesome. And it is an absolute travesty that Saturday Night Live cut that skit out of the live show. What are they doing? I don't know anything. What are they doing? Dumb. Dumb. I think uh, I think we got ourselves a superstar in the making. Uh, yeah. I know he's he's a little more reserved than some of the other sinners out there, but um, he's uh, he's doing some good things, man. He Happy is, morning. and he is. He's going to be very, 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 very rich because he's incredibly good at football. He's going to be very rich, and he's going to play football for a very long time. Yes. And he's like one of the most likable dudes ever, which is awesome. I know. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS AA athletics where they've won more than 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Oh, you men's hoops. They did it again, baby. Did it again. Just like we all said, they would blow TCU (laughs) out at home to end the season. Um, Really, really nice win. Another top 25 win for them. Um, They got off to a fantastic start. Listen to uh, most of the first half with T. Rowe calling the action. Was really good. And, you know, they – just came out and dominated. No big deal. Um, you know, they wasn't overwhelming. 50% from the floor, 35 from three. Uh, you know, got to the foul line quite a bit, which I thought was was one of the real keys to success for them. Uh, we're 17 to 23 there. Just a good all-around performance. Another good performance from Tanner Groves, too, man. 23 points from him was the leading scorer. Oh, pretty good. You know where they are. We're realistic about where they are. Uh, you got Oklahoma State in the first round of the Big 12 tourney. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to make the, uh, the NCAA tournament, obviously, unless they win the Big 12 uh, tournament. And right now, I'd say that's a uh, a very outside chance that they pull that off. But you never know. You go on a nice little run, maybe turn some heads. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you, you never know what will happen there in Kansas city. It's, it's another one of those games where if you're an OU fan, like you're, you're excited that they finish the regular season on such a strong note, but you're also probably like, why haven't we seen the version like this version of the team more often? Right. Yeah. Cause that, that TCU team is, that's a good yeah. basketball team. So it's, it's exciting and frustrating all at the same time because of how the season has gone as a whole. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is six one wins for OU now? Yeah. Crazy. But yeah. you know, it, what what's what's frustrating is it wouldn't have taken a whole lot else uh in a couple of close games, you know, to to put themselves in a better uh, position than they are right now or be in the tournament right now and because I feel like I feel like Oklahoma is a team that is and now we know we've talked about their athleticism they lag behind the conference right um, there's no doubt about that and that that would hurt you in the tournament but they're a team that also whenever they're on can play with absolutely anyone in the country and we've seen that so you feel like it's a team that could make a, a pretty decent little run in the tournament if the matchups were right and they, they got hot at the right time, but perhaps we'll never know. We'll see. See what they do in the Big 12 tourney. What's that, start Wednesday night? Yeah, it's just so you, you never know. You never know. Wednesday, they're they're the Wednesday. They got that. I think they're the late game on Wednesday night. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Weirder things have happened, right? That's right. But I, I'm with you. I think their only sh- chance of making the tournament, yeah, their only chance of making the tournament is to somehow, some way, run through the Big 12 tournament. Weirder things have happened. It seems unlikely, but hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Okay. I had to go with Oklahoma State as my loser. And here's why there's. Quite a bit of controversy going on right now. OU got the win over Oklahoma State, 80-71 to 71 at Gallagher-Iba, right? That gets Oklahoma at least a share of the Big 12 championship for the first time since 2009, I believe. And they've done it in really, really nice fashion. Got the win there against Oklahoma State. And whenever they knew that they were going to have at least a share of the big 12 championship, they celebrated. Okay. And I guess Oklahoma state was trying to send their seniors off, you know, as their, their last game there at Gallagher Iba. And you know, there was quite a bit of, of talk post game about it, right. At, at the, at the press conferences in Oklahoma state, the fans were booing pretty loud and, Oklahoma State's coach in the press conference was was pretty upset about it, said she's never seen anything like it in her whole career, which I, I doubt, really, never. But it boils down to this, always. If you don't want someone to celebrate on your court, win the basketball game. That is it. That is it. There, there's nothing else to really talk about. I don't think what Oklahoma did is I 
mean, perhaps there's more respectful ways to do it, but oh come on, Big man. They just won the Big Twelve Championship. The last thing they think about is uh the seniors at Oklahoma State, this is their last game. Come on. I mean Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm with you. Now, I don't think Jenny Barrage, and first of all, how good of a job has that woman done? Year two. Year two. I mean, she has resurrected that program. They, I mean, it was it was not a good, in a good place when she took it over. And in year two, she's got him as... 24 and 5. Yeah. And I, I'm interested to see if they can make some noise in the NCAA tournament. We'll see I'd, how it goes. I'd be shocked if they don't. The way they score, the way they shoot the three, I'd be shocked. They they have had a few games this season where the last game against Texas was odd. That yeah, that's one where you're like, uh, what, what what's going on there? But w- what a tremendous job she's done and that team has done. And yeah, they just won the conference championship. Yeah, they're gonna celebrate. Like, what are we even talking about? Now, I will say, I was confused. Did did Oklahoma State save like their senior day festivity stuff for after the game? That's what I was trying to understand. Like maybe it was just like was it just like a walk off applause or something or like standing I, O for the seniors? That's where I was confused because I saw but, quite a bit of the game and it was. But I I didn't pay a ton of attention to the celebration or what was going on afterwards. And then I saw the press conference. I was like, wait, what did I miss? Well, here's for future senior day planners. Do the festivities before the game. If by chance you get your ass beat during the game, right? That it screws up the celebration post game, right? Do it when we're all happy and feel like we're going to win. Yes, that is tremendous advice. Dude, you can't be giving that stuff out for free. You got to start charging for stuff like that. Come on, man. Yeah, we'll have a uh, a college college athletics think tank where we'll give out advice like that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure all kinds of people would sign up for that. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a newer used car for them. All you got to do is get the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealerships near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution, easy for me to say, based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, just make your life easier. Go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, Ted, can I interest you in some Max Verstappen, baby? It's back. Ooh. 
Ooh, it we're is back. back huh? F1's back. Let's go. Let me guess. Max Verstappen was uh, singing and whistling as he uh, lapped the field. Uh, Ferrari was fighting with each other, trying to chase him down. Uh, no, 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 no. You're wrong. Of no. course, Charles Leclerc had to retire the car. It's Ferrari. Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, Something went wrong. It's Ferrari. Of course it did. Mercedes was just happy that they weren't porpoising. Yeah. <laughs> the porpoising troubles. I, I did not hear anything about the porpoising troubles. I think they've got that ironed out for the most part. But yeah, F1's back. Bahrain Grand Prix in a shocking development. Max Verstappen wins the first race in the nice. Formula One's calendar. So it's back. We'll we'll sprinkle that a little bit in uh, throughout the next couple months here on the podcast. But my winner of the weekend, Anthony Richardson. Listen. I've got no clue if that guy is going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. I have no idea, right? Will the accuracy get better? Will the anticipation get better? Will, will he be able to master whatever offense he's in? I I don't know. What I do know is that dude is an athletic freak of nature. My God, how Incredible. much fun was that to watch, dude? That was that. That's why the combine will never go away. NFL PA. Don't even try. It's never going away because of guys like that. That was that was incredible to witness. It, I, I feel like he should be like tailback, tight end, wide receiver, edge rusher, like every like he that's like the measurables that you want at about eight different positions, right? <laughs> like not measurables you want. Like if any of any guys at those positions have those measurables at that height and weight, they're like top 10 picks. It's crazy. Dude. Six, four, two, 44, 40 and a half inch vert, 10 foot, nine inch broad in a four, four, three, 40. Just insane. And listen, I, I, I know he was up and down last season at Florida, but there is no doubt in my mind that a team in the top 10 is going to look at that and go, you know what? Let's give it a whirl. <laughs> you know, like if we're going to miss, we're going to miss on a guy that has unreal physical traits. And he is, have we, have we seen at the quarterback position? Have we seen anything like, you're talking about the combination of size and speed. And I thought he threw it pretty well in the drills. It's hard to tell, you know, just watching those like, Oh yeah, he can throw it really far. I, I felt like I already knew Shocker. that. Yeah. yeah. I'm stunned, but just seeing how physically gifted he was, man. I, is it weird of me to say, I want him to be good. I feel like there yeah. are some people out there that are hoping that he's not good. I want him to be good because that would be incredibly entertaining to watch on Sundays if he can figure it all out because he is a freak of nature and it's awesome. You think Billy Napier was trying to convince him not to go to the combine to where everyone in the world could see like, it's like, wait a second. He, this guy played quarterback in college football here. This guy that has these measurables was a quarterback in college football last year. It's like, 
you don't want anyone to know that you had that guy in your backfield every single play. So, you know, it's Billy, it's, how did you not score 50 points a game with this guy? Right. It, it's there's no way it looks good. Like Florida fans, which I'm sure knew like how freakishly athletic he was, but when everyone in the NFL, he gets like five days of 24 seven coverage about, Oh my God, this guy's incredible. And Florida's like, what the hell? <laughs> Why weren't we better? <laughs> right. I, I know that's that. The coaching staff at Florida is like, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> That's, yeah, but that was fun to watch, man. I mean, we'll see. But if if Anthony Richardson accomplishes nothing else, that dude put on an absolute show at the NFL Combine. Rarely, there's, every year, there's someone that kind of steals the show, right? Something, somebody from somewhere comes and puts on a performance that, you know, we just weren't ready for. Rarely is it a quarterback. Yeah. You know, and when it is a quarterback, I I don't know what that means for the draft. I It could mean something incredible. I, I don't, it's, this is going to make some NFL teams like have some 10 hour, like grind sessions over film and like, what do we do? Do we take you? Do we not? It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was something, man. Whoa. All right. But my, for my loser of the week, thought about going with Texas tech head coach, Mark Adams. Did you see that? Yeah. What? So that, first of all, they lost on Saturday at home to Oklahoma state. Right, which they were they were kind of playing themselves back onto the bubble, like they had had a much, much better back half of Big Twelve play after starting zero and eight in conference play. But Kirby Hokut suspended him allegedly, just from everything I've seen. Adams was like coaching up a player, and was trying to tell him to be more receptive to coaching and used. I guess a Bible verse that references slaves serving their masters and which duh, don't do that. Right. Like let, let's have some common sense here. Mark Adams. Let's not be a complete and utter moron, but oh, what in the world, man? What's what the hell is going on with that? I, I mean, it's just horrible judgment. Uh, the think tank uh, has nothing to say about this one. I have no idea how a coach in big time college athletics could. Uh, what are we doing? What is he doing? I don't. I don't know. There's man. a lot of other Bible ver- Bible verses, Mark. Yeah. I, Anything hey. but that, dude. I don't know, man. That's that's wild. I I need to I need I need to read more or see exactly like how this whole thing played out because I just kind of saw there the, are not the a ton blip. of details on it from what I could find. Yeah. I just saw the blip. Like I don't know I don't know what he said like did, did he just like reference the verse 
like, and the player had to go look it up later, or is you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's just a, it's a bad idea, and I think everyone, everywhere understands that. Yes, I think anyone with common sense knows, don't do that. You know, and it, it, it's it's. Sorry, I wonder if I was, it's going to cost him his job. Probably, unless yeah. he's got some really, really good explanation as to, to how this went down. But, like, here's, to me, what, what feels like the worst part of it is sometimes things are said in the heat of the moment that I, you just, you didn't even, you didn't even mean it at all. Or, I, I don't know, like, sometimes things can come up that it's like, where did that come from? But. This is clearly something that he's thought long and hard about, right? Here's a here's a Bible verse, and here's a here's how I can use it, and here's the the chance I can use it, and to have to have something that you've thought about for that long, yet couldn't see the how how this is not going to end well. That seems like a strange deal. No, I'm with you. We'll we'll see how it plays out, but yes, the the Eichard Layman think tank. Don't use that Bible verse. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Racist. I don't even bad. know what the Bible verse is right now, but it's on the do not use list at the think tank. Don't use it. <laughs> the think tank. We denounce that. Don't do that. All right, but my loser of the week weekend and this. Uh, it feels like this thing has snowballed over these last, about the last month or so. John Morant, what in the world, man? I mean, he has had quite the string of At bad decision making. Deals, right? That I can think of. It's well, a, a month ago or so, it was what did his his people aimed a laser? Did they not aim a laser at the Pacers or the Pacers team bus? Whatever that had the. NBA, the NBA had to investigate that. Then a report surfaces here over the last couple of days where, and it was back in the summer, I guess, but he punched a 17 year old kid in the face a bunch of times Yeah, and then brought a gun out and like showed it to him. And then over a basketball game, by the way, yeah, that I think was like game. in his backyard. Yeah. I mean, and then a report that I guess he threatened a mall security guard, and then he's flashing a gun on Instagram Live in the early hours in the morning after a loss. He's just shirtless in a strip club. Like, I I don't know what's going on with him. But the Grizzlies announced he'll be away from the team for at least the next two games. And I'll give John Morant credit, put out a statement apologizing to pretty much everybody and said, quote, I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. I I don't know John Moran at all. I don't know the people around John Moran at all. But they got to make sure that he cuts all of this out of his life. This guy this guy has a chance to be one of, I mean, he was like, he's one of the must-see players to watch in the NBA. And, and I, 
I, I don't really know a ton about his background, right? But he doesn't have to... I, I don't know why he thinks he needs to do any of this stuff. Like, what does he think he needs to prove? I, I don't understand it. And I know that I probably come from a much different world than John Moran. I get that. Be the first one to acknowledge that. But, dude, you have everything out in front of you in the world of basketball. Don't throw it away for whatever this stuff is. Don't like and the the guys around him. You got to protect him. Uh, you you have to. You just I and part of the part of my opinion on this is selfish, right? I want to see him play basketball for the next, you know, ten to fifteen years, whatever it ends up being, because he's unbelievably entertaining to watch, right? And that's that's the selfish part of it. But also, like, you never want to see a guy, and it wouldn't be the first time we've seen it, but. You never want to see a guy that is this gifted throw it all away for some dumb shit. And I I just hope I hope he gets back on track, man. I hope he takes the time, gets the help he needs. But this has been a string of some pretty alarming, uh, some pretty alarming stuff from one of the young players in the NBA that I think would be in consideration like over the next five to ten years, like one of the most popular guys in the league. And he went from like, oh my God, everyone loves John Morant. Everyone loves watching him to what the hell is wrong with this guy? Like it happened that quick, man. Yeah. Well, all of that is well said by you. Um, Here's my unfortunate take on it. When someone kind of behaves this way, the only way to change that behavior is really whenever you have some stuff taken away, right? And unfortunately, or fortunately or unfortunately, depending on who you ask, there are really going to be no consequences. He may serve a suspension or take time away He may get fined by the league, but ultimately the guy still, I don't know what his contract is right now. Is he a max guy? Have they signed him? Yeah, I think, I I think his Mac, his huge deal kicks in next year. I'm pretty sure. His deal kicks in next year. He's going to get 40 plus million dollars a year. And I, that is going to appear to him like it doesn't matter what I do. The money is going to keep coming. And unless like someone really good around him starts to behave differently, which it looks to me like right now, he's hanging around a bunch of people that want that type of lifestyle. And that's why they're friends with him. And he's got the, the ability to provide that. And until one of, those people that are in an influential position over the, over him say, Hey man, listen, we, we got to cool it. We, we got to be smarter about what we do, which I do not think will happen because I think they like that lifestyle too. If they're pointing guns out of their car at the, at the NBA arena at another team in like the loading dock area. Really? 
I mean, I I hate to say this, but unfortunately, I don't I don't see this situation getting better. I I I think it will. Uh, I, I do. Hope it does. I, Let me I, say that I yes. hope it does. But he signed, and it, his big deal kicks in next year. Five years, hundred ninety four million dollars. So when you when you think like what what's on the line here, you can't have both, man. You you can't be one of the faces of the NBA and live your life that way. You just you can't do it. Think about think about how LeBron James has carried himself over the years. You've never seen LeBron James caught anywhere with a gun in his hand. Right? It's Steph Curry. You've never seen Steph Curry. Like it, you, you have to choose, man. Do you do you want to be? Do you want to be one of the faces of the NBA, or do you want to live that type of lifestyle? You just you cannot have both, in my opinion. Like it's just you can't have both. So, I got a feeling, John Morant and everyone around him, that this is going to be a big wake up call and say, guys, we gotta, we gotta stop it with this stuff, right? There's too much on the line here. Hundred ninety four million. Online is and Nike came out and backed him. He just got a signature shoe. He just got it. And like they they were selling Kyrie Irving's like candy and they took his shoe away. You don't think they'll take John Morant's shoe away over this stuff? Come on. Yeah. So I just I hope he figures it out, man, because he's incredible. He's he fun is. to watch. Like and the it's crazy. The Grizzlies went from like the most likable team ever to like, what the hell's wrong with these guys? These guys suck. Like it yeah. it it happened so quickly that I I I don't know. And John Morant's a big piece of that. Got to figure it out. Uh, he he is an exceptional talent, and the guy can be. You know, it's at the point where you know some of the the superstars in the league are aging out. They're looking for new guys, and he's like the new guy. You know, he's one of the new people. It's got athleticism that's unmatched, and some of the things that he could do is just, you know, he he's he's incredible. You know, you make forty million dollars, and you spend your nights late, messed up, at a strip club, but, buddy, I cannot. You can't put a bigger target anywhere than that to get robbed and God knows what else happened to you. Yeah. <sighs> Let's hope that this is the last time we ever got to talk about anything like this with John Morant. That's what I'm hoping. Yep. Right? And it, listen, if you're not doing that stuff, it doesn't make you soft. It doesn't make you any of that stuff. Like, you just have to you have to conduct yourself differently when you are as gifted as John Moran is. It just that's the world, man. <laughs> like that's the world. So I'm hoping I'm hoping he gets everything figured out because th that has been a really unfortunate string of events for what I consider one of the young superstars in the NBA. So let's hope it works out, man. On that note, episode 297 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius Sex and Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. 
do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more